Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN and ESPN.com, he is Stephen Holder. What if I told you that the biggest game of the year coming up on Saturday afternoon, the Colts were going to match up against Mitchell Trubisky in a must-win situation? Would you feel good? Because honestly, it's been such a roller coaster. I don't know if I would feel good about anything until they actually get the job done right. You agree? Uh, I, I would not have circled that one on my calendar back in back in August. I can tell you that. I look. I I want to be optimistic. I I think this was a a throwaway game. I guess you know that one off game. I hope, but but I also can't say that with certainty. I'm talking about Cincinnati. You know, um, it's 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 comforting to think of it in that way. That you know, this they laid an egg. It happens. Every team does it. But is that what this was? Maybe. But they have to prove that, and they have to prove it by showing that they'll show up, frankly, on Saturday and and play as we know, or at least we have seen them play in the past. So I guess we'll see. Does it come down to the simple fact that the Bengals? That's a much better team, even with a backup quarterback, than what they had faced during this win streak. They have some elite talent. Uh, I do think that is true. I mean, you take Jonathan Taylor out of the equation, and he, he is, right? He's not. I mean, that's where, you know, at, at running back, you might have a one-for-one, one, you know, mix in Jonathan Taylor. I take Taylor over him, but but I'm just saying, you got two elite guys. And and then if you go the rest of the skill positions, you know, you'd have to say, look, the, the Bengals are the more elite team there. And so they they get the edge there. And then where the Colts have strengths, they didn't show up. The offensive line, worst game of the season, easily. So where you do have advantages, you, you can't lose. You can't seed those advantages that you do have against a team that's really talented, and they are. You know, what's interesting, you know, I heard the, the clip there, and you talked about the, the screenplays, the mix-in, and all that. I, I believe there were those three – well, actually, Brown and Mixon. There were those three big – screenplays uh, that went for 124 yards. And I'm getting to a point here. The reason, part of the reason they gave those up is because they are playing deep and defending or trying to defend against the big play, uh, you know, to guys like Jamar Chase and T Higgins. And in the process, uh, the Bengals kind of used that against them and hit them with underneath stuff and let their guys make plays after the catch. So, you know, they had put that stuff on tape the previous week, you know, down in Jacksonville, and, and the Colts were rightfully uh, pretty worried about that. So th- it goes to your point, the fact that they have elite talent and the Colts, I wouldn't say they were scared of them, but they were very wary of that talent, and the Bengals used that that fair to their advantage. So Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. 
right, what was the reason behind, and I, I know people oftentimes say, well, I didn't make any adjustments. So I, I don't really know what happened. All I know is what I saw is that they were hit over the head with the screen game nonstop, and then Ronnie Harrison had a pick six, and it looked like that that shook Jake Browning a little bit. Game tied going into the half at 14, and we thought, you know what, maybe that's a good thing for the Colts, and then they let them go back to that screen game again, hit them over the head, and you know, basically dominate the rest of the way. Did it appear to you that there were any adjustments defensively made to something that worked so well and so endlessly that the Colts evidently either couldn't or did not stop? No, I mean, I, I'll go back and look at it a little closer, but I really think it's assignment football. You know, their their scheme is not overly complicated. They don't do a lot of adjusting. You know, they, they will send the blitz here and there and, and, and sort of modify things in that manner. But but they, they generally are one of those teams that, you know, they do what they do. And, and the system, if played correctly, is intended to have people in position to make the plays. Now, sometimes coaches are wrong, too, right? So that we, we can allow for that. But I'm just saying, in theory, that's how it's supposed to work. You know, what happens on those screens a lot of times is you get just a slight bad angle can be the difference. And I think we saw that a couple of times, even a guy like Zaire Franklin, you think, you know, his hands were dirty a little bit there. It only takes a very slight bad angle, you know, for a play that should be contained to to become a big play. So I I don't know if they, if there were adjustments they should have made. Uh, Clearly they did not make any, (laughs) but I, I really do think it, it does, to a great degree, boil down to uh, to responsibility. And execution on the Bengals' part was really good. I mean, take it from the other side, right? I mean, the, the Colts, I've always felt, should be a much better screen team than they have been. They've been a little better this year. In the past, on the Frank, I, I always wondered why they couldn't produce – uh, effective an effective screen game. It was very frustrating to me, particularly with the way they run the ball, the athletic linemen they have. I don't know what it is, but all I can tell you is the uh, the Bengals really executed those screens really well, and the Colts did not execute well on defense. And then that coupled with, like I said, uh, them being wary of of the Bengals going over the top to to Higgins and Chase. Hey, Steven, if I were to tell you before this game yesterday started that Boyd Higgins and Chase would have seven receptions between them. Would you think that the Colts had a pretty good chance of winning that game? Yeah. Yeah. Because then that would say to me that, that the Bengals are probably going to try to run the ball a bunch. And I felt like, well, with, with Grover Stewart back, I felt like that would solidify the running game a little bit. So yeah, (laughs) it would, it would, that would be my rationale it would be like, okay, well that, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm looking at it here and outside of the, the screenplays, there are, there are four, there are four completions to running backs of 18 yards or more. Okay. Four completions to running backs, 18 yards or more outside of that. You're looking at Higgins has a 46, I believe, and a 26 yard reception. And then chase, I don't know. Did he even play? You know what I mean? And so to some extent, I don't want to say successful, but like they did have some success in, in accomplishing what they set out to do, which was to limit those explosive plays from the perimeter players. They did do that. 
but they didn't factor in those, not that they didn't factor them in, but they, they didn't account for those running backs having those big plays in the screen game. I, I don't know. I think it's a good game plan too, to some extent, you know, you got to give them credit. Uh, they look at tendencies and I don't know if there were some tendencies that, that the Bengals might've seen that suggested to them that the screen game would, would work, but they clearly came uh, with that as a big part of their game plan. I mean, there was no accident that they kept going back to that. I mean, they saw something, I, I presume, they saw something that enabled them to say, look, this is going to work. And, and, and also couple that with the way the Colts were playing. They were playing pretty deep and, and playing off those receivers. When you're doing that, you're going to be able to generate some underneath, some, some underneath yardage in screens because those defensive backs have to come up and make those tackles if they get to the second level. Um, the, the problem is they, they then did not make those tackles even at that level, and then you get, you know, 54- and 45-yard completions. So, Stephen Holder on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, I have teams now, I'm assuming this has been for a while, so you're going to say, well, wait a minute, where have you been? Have they completely figured out, especially without Jonathan Taylor, um, how to contain this offense? I mean, really, it seems like that they're taking away absolutely everything. They're not convinced anything can happen down the field, and then you can't run the football. It just seems to me that with that recipe in mind, this Colts offense is screwed. Yeah, part of the problem is, well, yesterday in particular, uh, you had, uh, I mean, a season-high nine penalties. So, so you're behind the chains to begin with. And, and when you have that, nothing works, okay, particularly with a quarterback who is kind of up and down. Uh, so, anyway, season-high nine penalties, so that's a mess. Then the, the protection wasn't great. I mean, Gardner Minshew gets sacked on the first play of the game, if I recall, uh, or first, uh, first uh, play from scrimmage. And then, you know, so you're constantly in these terrible situations that don't allow you to run the ball. I mean, and then you're behind, by the way, behind like the entire game. So Zach Moss, 13 carries, it, it, the yardage and the average was terrible. I mean, 2.2 yards per carry for Moss. I mean, I ain't getting it done. However, that being said, I mean, 13 carries, some of them in suboptimal situations, I, I mean, your exit should be low. But I would say in the grander picture, um, there is definitely – they do lose uh, some pop without Jonathan Taylor. There's no doubt about it. I, I'll, I'll have these details in a story that's coming out, but I crunched a lot of numbers today, and this is interesting. I'll preview it here. So, with Jonathan Taylor this season, okay, if my math is correct, uh, the Colts, 4.4 yards per carry with Jonathan Taylor. That's pretty good. That's top 10 in the NFL. Without him – Without Jonathan Taylor, 3.6. Now, that includes those games early on. And Moss had a couple games while, while Taylor was on the pup list where you know he actually got rolling a little bit. Baltimore comes to mind. And even in spite of that, these last two games really dragged them down. I mean, like I said, the non-Taylor games this year, 3.6 yards per carry, that's a huge discrepancy. I mean, huge. So... All I can tell you is, I mean, look, Taylor's been hurt a lot this year. Um, I don't know whether, you know, fans are second-guessing the contract or what have you, but I I would argue it, it kind of tells you why they did sign Taylor. You know, he's a difference maker. Yes, yeah, we, we definitely knew that. Well, Stephen Holder joins us now. What do you think about the possibility of his return Saturday? I am pessimistic, but I, 
I, I'm not, I'm not kind of going out on a limb and making a prediction. Um, I mean, I, I think we know that the, the two to three week timeline was very optimistic. <laughs> okay. That is like that. That is like the absolute positively best scenario, best case scenario. Right. And, and that almost never happens. Uh, so I don't know. I don't anticipate that he comes back this week, but, but we'll see. I mean, they, they practice. Well, they don't practice tomorrow, but they are, they are working tomorrow. They will have a, a walkthrough. I believe there will be an injury report. I think we'll see how that goes, but um, we'll see. I mean, we'll have a, we'll have a sense here in the next day, day or two days, the next day or two, excuse me, uh, because the week is accelerated because of the Saturday game. And uh, so is winning accelerated here. I, I call a lot of things, and people make fun of me for it. So regardless of the <laughs> the mathematic circumstances, must wins. Um, this would appear to be the biggest game and the must of the must wins, considering the outcome if you lose and how much help that unrealistically um, you're hoping that would have to come to you if you were to lose that game on Saturday to the Steelers. Have I touted that accurately here? Well, I think here's the thing. The reality is the the loss yesterday came under the, the best-case scenario if they were going to lose. And what I mean by that is they, they got a lot of help because other people lost too. <laughs> but you cannot count on that happening again. You know, I and mean, that's why they're still right there where they need to be. You know, had, had the Colts lost and then, say, Houston wins and Jacksonville wins and this team, that team, I mean – they're at the point now where there are so many seven and six teams. I think, what is it? Six, seven and six teams in the AFC. I think it's five or six of them. Okay. Uh, now they've got so much company that the margin for error is getting slimmer and slimmer. So they're not all going to lose. They're just not, you know what I mean? So I, I think from that perspective, if you don't want to severely cut into your postseason uh possibilities yeah you need to win this game it's also a winnable game that's the other thing but it is what it is i mean let, let's call the steelers what they are right now they got some issues right now so go get them how disappointed were you in the offensive line play yesterday very very uh i mean look Braden smith is a big loss but i, I mean you, you just can't have it's been lost enough that, this year to maybe get used to it right a little bit uh, it's 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 getting concerning at yeah. this point you know and and I don't know what the outlook is for this week. Um, Shane Steichen was on um, Braden Smith. He was a little bit evasive today when asked about him. So make of that what you will. But, but yeah, his, his injury toll this season has been a little concerning. And I, I don't know that you have to necessarily uh, make a determination on some kind of off-season decision or something. I'm not saying that. I just all I'm saying is. It's something to think about. Maybe it's a one-off. I don't know, but but he has had some things. The last couple of years for him have been have been very, um, I, I guess, unusual from an injury perspective. So anyway, um, I was disappointed. Yeah, for sure. I, I think there were the, the undisciplined stuff too, like the the pre-snap penalties, uh, just you know stuff like that, and then Ryman. At uh, left tackle, I mean, that's the worst game I've seen him play since his rookie year, no doubt about it. I mean, this year, I have not – I cannot recall a game this year where Bernard Ryman uh, had that kind of performance. He had some last year, 
but I'm okay with that. I mean, they threw him in there as a raw rookie. Uh, he, he wasn't ready, but that's okay. He got a lot of good experience. This year, we saw the growth. And so now the, the bar is higher for him now. He can't play like that. He cannot play like that. And, and the expectations for him are higher, and they should be. It is what it is. So, yeah, I was very underwhelmed by that offensive line performance. A uh, couple ticking-tack calls maybe on the holdings, but, um, but that I don't think salvages how they performed overall. Uh, special teams last week was lauded, embraced. Everybody mm-hmm. was in love. And then this week, uh, you probably should have made a lot of those guys just like walk back I-74 home uh, with the way that that special teams unit played yesterday. What were the major issues that you saw? And what was behind that wide berth between how they played in Nashville last week and then how they looked yesterday in Cincinnati? I don't know. I, I think just I, – I think it just kind of – it's reflective of the way the whole team played, you know, I mean, no one played up to their standards yesterday. And I, I don't know how to explain that, but I don't know if there's some carryover between, you know, what happens offensively and defensively and, and special teams. I mean, you, you'd think there shouldn't be, but um, I don't know that I can't explain that. That was, that was tough. And then frankly, Matt Gay, uh, kicking the way he did. And we asked him today, he, he was available two reporters today asked him about the the extra point because I thought the snap might have been a little off on that and he flatly said no it was not he just pushed it so I'll take him at his word I I thought it might have been a little off I thought the snap was was a little bit up into um Rigo Sanchez's kind of you know up in his gut a little bit and he had to kind of pull the ball out quickly but um I don't know that it should have caused a miss, you know, so I, I was still a little surprised he missed it. But I thought this, the, I didn't think the snap was perfect. But the, be that as it may, uh, talk about high standards, right, that we just mentioned with Bernard Raymond. I mean, we have those for Matt Gay, too. And yeah. we should. We should. I mean, he, you know, they gave him a, uh, an unprecedented contract for, for a kicker for this franchise. Yeah, Steven, I said earlier that, we, that uh, fair or not, he's, you rely upon him to make everything, to be 100% yeah. accurate. You just do yeah, with this he, team and the way that it looks, the way that it's built, all of that. Come through. I mean, I, I think it's not hard to see the logic as to why they signed him, right? Because this was – they've scored way more points than we ever thought they were going to, so I'll give them credit. But they envisioned themselves being kind of a lower-scoring team, trying to find its way on offense. And what I would say is they've been inconsistent on offense. So at least under that scenario – when you've got a weapon at kicker, they got to come through. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, so it, the bottom line is, man, if, you, if your good players, if your best players don't play well, this is what happens. And none of their good players played well yesterday. I mean, Pittman might be the only exception, frankly. I, I can't think of another one. Who else had a good game, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, Zaire Franklin had a bunch of tackles. That's good. But I think there's a couple of plays that he did not make where – they, they could have been impactful plays. So even even their, their best performances, I can find areas where those guys weren't good enough. And, I mean, it was it, it was an, an incredible coincidence or maybe just um, – or something else, but all of their best players played terribly. <laughs> uh, EJ Speed's absence, was that felt yesterday? And I'm assuming that he's going to be back and good to go on Saturday, right? You you do have to wonder if he could have made a difference in some of those screenplays. 
You know, one of the things he does really well is cover a lot of ground. Now, Ronnie Harrison, that's a big play he made with the, the pick six. And I think his, his defensive back instincts, you know, might, might have played a role there, which is, which is great. You know, he's a former safety that yeah. they've converted, which has worked out, by the way. I, I can't believe how well that's worked out. But anyhow, there's, that's one play out of, you know, 60 or 70 snaps. And I think you have to evaluate the whole thing. We can't get distracted by the fact that he did make the play that was available to him there, to his credit. You know, what did he do on those other snaps uh, where big plays were made going the other way? That's the question. But no, I think EJ speed is, there's a reason they, they felt um, that they were able to cut Shaquille Leonard. Yep. I mean, the one thing we haven't talked about, we, we've talked a lot about Shaquille Leonard struggling and he was, but the other side of that coin was that EJ speed has had a really good season. And, and they think there's a lot more there that he can tap into even beyond that.